0: We're actually finishing up Acts this morning. Uh, We've been doing this series now for several months, The Kingdom Now. We're walking through Acts, and we're actually going to wrap it up. And I know you're you're thinking that's a lot of chapters because a couple weeks ago, uh, we were in Acts 17. Now we're going to go all the way to Acts 28, uh, and I get that. But I'm going to share something with you that's very important for you to recognize. One is Acts is a narrative. Luke wrote it, and he's telling the story uh, of the early church and its founding and everything that was going on in the life of Peter and then the life of Paul. Uh, you really just need a Mary in there and then you've got a great band, right? So <laughs> you'll get that. Okay? So he's telling the in this part he's telling the story of Paul. And really from 17, really 18, 19, in that territory, Paul has one very determined thing going on in there. And that's why we're actually going gonna to look at that. So I am the discipleship pastor, so I'm going to tell you it's worth reading, by the way. And I hope that you do read it. And I hope that you take this next year and you take time to read the Bible and read it through every year. I challenge you to do it. In fact, I'll say a few things this morning that hopefully get you thinking and that'll make you go read it, and then I'll, we'll go sit down and talk about it. We'll discuss it, all right? But Paul's walking through that. And so you get all of these chapters about Paul's determination to go to the city of Rome. And you find that Paul, Paul is actually tells the people, said, I'm, my plan is, is to go to Jerusalem to drop off an offering, and then I'm going to Rome. And he, he's even told in there, that listen, if you go to Jerusalem, this is, this is prophesied around him. A man came down, I think it was from Ephesus, if I'm remembering correctly, he came down. And he took a belt off and he wrapped it around Paul's wrist and he told him, said, so this is what's going to happen to you. You'll be led out of Jerusalem bound. And guess what? Paul was led out of Jerusalem bound. He was falsely accused uh, of bringing Gentiles into the temple. Okay, here's, 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 here's what that means in today's world. He brought the wrong people into church. That's what Paul did. But the only thing is, Paul didn't actually bring a Gentile into that part of the temple. He was falsely accused of it. So they arrested him. He spent two years back and forth on trials, various trials, where the, the Jewish leaders attempted to ambush them several times and murder him. Those are great church leaders, aren't they? All right? So, attempted to ambush him and murder him. Eventually, Paul appeals to Caesar. Why would Paul appeal to Caesar? Because he wants to go to Rome. It's actually not necessarily because of his innocence, although he is innocent of what he's being charged with, or the hope that he would not pay the bribe that... Uh, I think it was Festus wanted him to hopefully would pay. And they left him in jail for two years. He eventually appeals to Caesar so he can go to Rome. And so that's what we're actually going to pick up in Acts 28 is, is Paul's journey to Rome. In fact, he, he sets sail eventually. So he spent two years in prison at this point. He sets sail to go to Rome. And he's on a ship. And against his advisement, they go on. It's, it's headed into the winter time. It may be more like our November. And I know you're looking at me going, yeah, November, not so bad. Um, weather's pretty good, right? It's 70 degrees on Christmas Day. Come on now, there's no winter in this time. But Paul gets on it, and they hit a horrible northe- nor'easter wind that actually shipwrecks them on the island of Malta. All right? So we're in Acts 28. They've, they've shipwrecked on, on Malta, the island. This is what they find out. And we're going to be in verse 11. And I'm going to read this uh, starting there. At the end of three months. So they've been on the island now, shipwrecked there for three months. At the end of three months, we set sail on an Alexandrian ship, which had wintered at the island and which had the twin brothers, that's Castor and Pollux, you know, the, the Gemini sign, as we, we call it, uh, I don't know if you're supposed to talk about that in, in church, but I did, so all right. It's in the Bible, okay? It's in there. We can talk about it. Uh, the twin brothers for his figurehead. After we put in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. From there, we sailed around and arrived at Regium. And a day later, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Putoli. You have to say that. You know they're in Italy, so you've got to throw a little Italian accent in it. I don't know how good of an accent it is, but you want to, you want to do that. There we found some brethren, and we invited to stay with them for seven days, and thus we came to Rome. Uh, and the brethren, when they heard about us, came from there as far as the market of Appius in three inns to meet us. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When, he entered Ro- when we entered Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who was guarding guarding him. Now if you skip ahead to verse 30, we're going to finish this out. This is the final part of Acts. And he stayed two full years, so he's on 4 years now of imprisonment. Two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, unhindered. So that's Paul's current situation. Now, that's not just Paul's current situation. I wonder if we took a moment and we looked at Paul's situations leading up to this. This is a lot to go through. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So I'm going to give you, again, if you hang out with me, you know I like history a lot. I like to—because, listen, the Bible takes place in history, okay? It's not a collection of of stories and things that someone brought together to try to communicate something— it actual, these people existed. They're real. They lived inside of history as we know it. There are things taking place in that. And so before Paul um, headed to Jerusalem, he wrote a letter, which was, depending on, on your term, it may have been the fourth one he actually wrote to the church in Corinth. By the way, the church in Corinth had a lot of problems. Took a lot of letters, interactions with Paul to get them straight. And no, I mean, I don't know if they ever actually got straight. But this is the second one, as we call it, 2 Corinthians 11, This is Paul's list of what had happened to him since becoming a Christian, right? Forty lashes less one, five times. He was beaten by the the Jewish people, right? They would always do 40 minus one just in case they miscounted because their law said they couldn't go over 40, so they did 40 minus one. Beaten with rods three times. He was stoned once. That's rocks, okay? This isn't a he didn't inhale thing. It's not any of that. He was stoned once. If you're familiar with first century stoning, you'll understand you're not supposed to survive one stoning, okay? He was shipwrecked three times. One of those left him drifting in the sea for a day and a half. So we're going to add one to that by the way. So he was actually shipwrecked four times. Countless dangers, robbers, the Jewish people, the Gentile people. By the way, that covers everybody. Uh, Wilderness, at sea, everything. Sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, cold and exposure. And then he talks about the emotional strain of leadership, caring for all of these churches and these people that he he was witnessing to and leading and trying to encourage in Christ. That's not a, not a bad advertisement for Christianity, isn't it, you know? Hey, come follow Jesus. You could be shipwrecked. You know? But yeah, I look at that, and you have to keep asking this question. What in the world, what, one question I have, what would your list be, right? Now, in, in the United States, we've, we've gotten away from the idea of the public beatings, Right? So we don't, we don't really live with the fear of, of being beaten with rods. We don't. We don't live with that. But what, what would our, our list be? Whether it's broken relationships, whether it's, it's people in our lives who've betrayed us, whether it's, it's failures, whether it's been losing jobs, whether it's whatever that thing is. What would, what would your list be in there? And so, in reading this, after he wrote this letter and he described all of these things that that he went through to the church in Corinth, he went to Jerusalem where he was arrested, and we we walked through that. He, He went ahead with it. And you've got to ask yourself, why in the world, why in the world did Paul endure this? Right? Why would he do this? Why would Paul go through all of this? Why would Paul be so committed to something, to doing something? That he would expose himself to all of these things again and again and again. Here's a fascinating one a question for you to think about. Paul was a Roman citizen by birth. Okay, again. We don't necessarily understand or because we don't have the same things taking place here in the United States that he did there. He was a Roman citizen by birth. It afforded him some incredible powers and abilities simply because of that. The reason he could appeal to Caesar is because he was a Roman citizen. But it wasn't just that he would paid for his citizenship. He'd actually been born a Roman citizen, which actually gave him another leg up in all of that. Why wouldn't Paul have exercised his citizenship more often? Think about that. In the middle of one of these beatings, beatings, I got a little southern there. All right, I've been told I got a touch of southern in my voice, and I just threw a little. All right, in the midst of the beatings, why wouldn't have Paul claim that, recognize that he did one time actually? Here's what I've realized. Why Paul endured all of this. Paul knew his why. That's a pretty powerful statement. Paul knew his why. Paul knew why he was there. Paul knew what his existence was about. Paul knew when he got up in the morning why God was allowing him to have another day. Why God was pushing him. Why God was doing that. Paul knew his why, and you know what's fascinating is Paul actually tells us what his why is. I'm going to show you this. It's going to be up on the screen. This is Romans. If you'll recall, Paul wrote his letter to the Roman church. Paul had not actually been there. He didn't found the church. Uh, He didn't plan it, but Paul had a plan to go to Rome as a part of his purpose. And this is what he says. Uh, This is Romans 15, or chapter 15, verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. That's Paul's purpose. That's why Paul was on the planet right there. So he tells the church in Rome, listen, it's my ambition to preach the gospel not where Jesus has already talked about. He goes on and he says, I don't want to build on someone else's foundation anymore. He'd been all throughout the Middle East. He'd been throughout uh, that part of uh, Asia and so forth and sharing all that. He'd not gone into Italy and all of that territory. Uh, Paul goes on from there and he explains. And this is important because it would be easy to assume that Paul thought his purpose was to go to Spain. But in fact, he says his purpose is this, and because his purpose is this, he's going to Rome to move his base of operations so he can go to Spain. Now, again, I told you I, I, I love the history that's surrounding all of this. This is taking place, Paul arrives in Rome probably about 60 A.D. He spends two years in his own house that he's renting. He's paying for it at his own expense, chained to a Roman guard. Okay, and if you recall in some of his letters that he wrote during this time, he actually says, my chains are for the benefit of the gospel because the entire Roman guard has heard the gospel at this point. Because every four hours, that Roman guard had to change out with him. So he'd get a new guard, change his right wrist. I don't know how long the chain was, but talk about an opportunity. Okay. If you had to spend four hours locked in a small confined space, there'd be problems, wouldn't there? We, we wouldn't last very well. We can't handle it. But Paul sat there and he shared the gospel with every Roman guard who sat there. He also welcomed everybody into it. So he's chained into that. So he ends up in Rome. He spends two years chained to this guy and eventually he's released. He's actually released from prison in 62, roughly. These are, these are estimations. And we don't know exactly why. It doesn't say why he was released. It could be that the Jewish people who were falsely accusing him back in Jerusalem never made their way to Rome to actually stand trial with him. It could be that he actually stood before Caesar, which, great, Caesar realized there's nothing here. Caesar released him. We don't know. But the point is, Paul's released in 62. Do you know what Paul did when he was released in 62 A.D.? He went to Spain. He headed out. And you look at me and say, well, Brian, how do you know that? I'm going to tell you, I don't know that for sure. But a guy named Clement, towards the end of the first century, writes that Paul went to the eastern or westernmost territories who'd never heard of Jesus, i.e. Spain. Why? Thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named. Paul knew his why. That's why Paul endured all of that. That's why he could get up in the morning. That's why he could be driven in the way that he was driven. That's why he could, could walk the way that he walked. That's the way he could endure the things that he endured and suffer the things that he could suffer. Paul knew his why. So I'm gonna challenge you, this is, this is the thing ultimately what it comes down to in all of this. Listen, purpose breeds clarity. And when you, when you walk out of here this morning, sometime in the next four or five hours, you have to laugh at my jokes. That's good. By the way, this is a side note. This isn't included in the sermon. It's not written back there on the piece of paper. Listen, when you see Jason next week, this coming, whenever you see him, it's important you, you tell him it was standing room only. Okay standing room only. Okay. Purpose breeds clarity. If you want, when you walk out of here later, later this morning in, in just a little bit, listen, that's what I want you to, to, to keep up here. Purpose breeds clarity. There's a quote up here from Andy Stanley. I, I actually still remember reading the book. I, I just kind of remember the time frame in which this came about. It's in a book called The Principle of the Path. And he says, this direction, not intention, determines destination. By the way, do you know what should set direction in your life? Purpose, right? Direction, not intention, determines destination. Listen, you can intend all you want to grow in Christ, to share Jesus with somebody over across the street. You can intend all you want, but if you don't go that way, you're not going to get there. It's kind of that simple. you can get on the interstate to go to Alabama or, or wherever you want to go, but if, you're, if your destination's Alabama and you drive north, really doesn't matter what your intention was. Yeah, I, remember, I remember one of the times that I was driving back to, uh, to Springfield before my family was able to move out here and visit them, I actually took a wrong turn. I added I wasn't paying attention. Actually, I think there was a couple of state troopers traveling alongside of me and they made me so nervous that I wasn't paying attention to what I was doing, which is kind of sad because I wasn't like I was speeding or going crazy or anything like that. But I ended up taking a north, north highway when I needed to be going west. It didn't matter that my intention was to, to drive west to Springfield. I was driving north towards St. Louis. Sadly, it took me about 45 minutes to realize that. Now, I'm not, I, I'm not gonna tell you how that ended up, but direction, not intention, determines destination. Purpose breeds clarity. Clarifies a lot of things in our lives. It clarifies our circumstances. Purpose is gonna clarify the circumstances around us, how we react to them, how we look at them. Paul's in chains, in fact, in, in the narrative that Luke is sharing, when they're on the boat and it's breaking apart and getting ready to crash into the bay there at Malta, one of, the, one of the guards wants to kill all the prisoners. Now Paul's the only one on the boat who was sitting there going, guys, we shouldn't do this. Hey guys, we shouldn't, hey, you really, this isn't a good idea. No, by the way, I've been strengthened by God. He's given me a, a sight that everybody who's on the boat will be protected and live through this. And then when some of the sailors started to try to put down a a rowboat, a a lifeboat, as you would, and get away from the boat, he said, hey, listen, if you leave the boat, you leave the protection. So they cut the thing away. Purpose brings clarity to your circumstances. It gives you the perspective to deal with those things. Listen, you can't control all the circumstances around you, but you can control how you respond to the circumstances around you. It breeds clarity in our choices. Let me ask you a question. What if there was something in your life that you could lean on to let you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? It'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Purpose brings clarity to your choices. It, you don't necessarily escape the consequences of those choices, but it helps you determine what the choices are you should make. Now, let me, let me pause there and make sure you understand something. Let me talk about two different purposes that exist in our lives. There's God's general purpose, okay? God's general purpose. It's an overarching purpose for everybody to know Jesus. That's his desire. It drives everything. You read the Bible, it's, it's thick with it. From Genesis into Revelation, God's general purpose is his son, salvation. Okay? Underneath that umbrella, God has a specific purpose for you and how you engage in that plan and how he wants to use you. I'm going to have to break it to you, but probably winning the lottery and becoming wealthy beyond you ever, ever dreamed is not probably God's specific purpose for you underneath his overarching plan of sharing Jesus with the world. I'm not saying he wouldn't let it happen. I'm just saying it's probably not his specific purpose for you. Okay? We have to be careful not to confuse our self-centered purposes and put them in place of God's specific purposes for us. Because purpose breeds clarity. Self-centered purposes just breed confusion in our lives. Okay? Purpose breeds clarity. It brings clarity to our commitments. It brings clarity to all sorts of things in our lives. And so when you read this, when you look through at the end of Acts and we talk about this, the kingdom now, where do we go from here? And that's really kind of the title of this message because Acts 20 out, 28 closes out with this. You have eight chapters of the story of Paul trying to get to Rome. And then in these short little verses, it just tells two years worth of story of Paul sharing the gospel. Why? Because he, he knew his why. So as you get ready and you walk into the new year, why does this matter? Where do we go from here? Because this is the final message in, the, in this Acts series. Next Sunday, we'll be back towards our regular schedules. Uh, Jason, we be, uh, beginning the new series. It's going to be really exciting and neat coming into the new year. So how do we end this? Where do we go from here? What do, what do we do with this? So I want to ask you a question. What's your why? What is it? What's God's specific purpose for you under his plan of salvation? How does he want to use you in that plan? What's your why? Why do you get out of bed this morning? You know, again, sitting down there and I was thinking about this message and and, and reflecting on that, I recognize there's so many things that God's doing right now, and I see it. And I'm excited. I'm excited for what God's doing. There's times early in the morning I, I wake up and there are those of you in here, things going on inside of the church with the people that are on my heart and my mind. And I'll stop and I'll pray for them while I'm laying there in bed. Now, admittedly, there's also times where I wake up in the middle of the night and there's 80s hairband songs going through my head. It's just kind of a fun place up there. Okay? Okay but God's working. God's moving. God wants you to know your why. God wants you to, to recognize that thing and be driven by that. Do you know what mine is? And I'm going to share you mine. As we as a church, as a staff, and as a whole, we believe Clearview has a why from God. And you're going to keep hearing more and more about it. But listen, I'm going to share with you mine. Because when, the, when the, those dark days came, when the difficult moments, when the times came and the questions of why, God, are you allowing this to happen, this is what sustained me and us as a family through this. See, a number of years ago, God just he laid it on me because of the investment of a lot of other people. But listen, my why is to help people know the Jesus I've gotten to know. It's that simple. You want to ask me why I'm here on the planet? I'm here to help people get to know the Jesus I've gotten to know. Because he's pretty awesome. And by the looks on some faces that are out there, you don't know the same Jesus that I've gotten to know. Because he's incredible. Paul knew his why. And so I'm going to close out. I've got two questions I'm going to ask you, challenge you with. How would your life be different in this coming new year, 2020? Okay? It's the year Barbara Walter's been waiting for, okay? That was a good one. That just came right. All right. Yeah. Listen, in this coming year, how would your life be different if you knew you were why and you lived it? Now, listen to me. I'm going to t- understand something in this, okay? And I understand that this is going to sound mildly controversial. Start. I'm going to challenge you with a statement as you think about that. What's your why? Paul was not a missionary. Not in the sense that we define missionary today. That's key. Paul was not a missionary. He was not a career missionary. He was not called to go to a particular place and live there for the rest of his life sharing the gospel. Paul was a businessman who knew his why which was to preach Christ where he'd never been preached before. And that drove him to go city to city, town to town, using his business. What was his business? His business was tent making. Now, this is fun. Go find it in the Scripture. Go find it in the New Testament, read it, and I'd love I'll have lunch, coffee, breakfast, whatever you want to do. We'll sit down and we'll talk about it. Paul was a businessman whose why sent him to be on mission throughout the world. What was Paul going to do when he got to Spain? I will tell you exactly what Paul was going to do when he got to Spain. He was going to open up shop and welcome everybody he, in, he met into a conversation about what his why is. Why he was there to support. How did he support himself in his own renting quarters? Well, the believers probably helped him out, but he probably started making tents in Rome. He was a businessman called by God to something greater. So you know what? When you look at your why, it's not a call to leave the business you're in. It's a call to bring your why into the business and let God use you. So that's, that's question number one. As you, you walk out of here, I want to challenge you this week. How would your coming year be different if you knew your why? Here's second question. How would the community and surrounding areas of Franklin be different if you knew your why? You see, God's plan is that every single person around here has a chance to hear about Jesus. And he wants to use you to do that. You're not responsible for their responses. You can't make them choose to follow Jesus one way or the other. But you can be responsible for your why and how God wants to use you for that. How would the community of Franklin be different if you knew your why? We're going to close out in prayer, and we're going to have just a little bit of time. Um, John is going to come up here and, and close us out here in a few minutes, but we're just going to take a little bit of time, and I want those two questions to just sit on you a little bit. As you get ready for this new year, as you get ready to celebrate and you make resolutions, I want you to think about those two things. How would your life be different if you knew your why? How would Franklin be different if you knew your why? How does God want to use you in this new year?